You know, what I found in the empty nest when my kids started, you know, moving out here is that it, it did get more quiet and I didn't have <laughs> as much responsibility. Right. And so I could actually say slowly, what could I do here? But what's excessive that I was doing a lot with our kids and now I don't have to do as much. That's Jim Burns talking about uh, the phase of life that we call empty nesting. Joys and challenges abound. Uh, Jim is with us again on Focus on the Family, and we're so glad you've joined us. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Well, it's great to have Jim back. We did have a, a wonderful discussion last time, and really, it flew by. You always know that it's going well when you look up and the time's gone. Yeah. So if you missed last time, certainly uh, you know find a way through the website or the smartphone download to get the app, and you can hear not only yesterday's program, but the whole library of programs. Um, we did talk about the pain and the uh, emotional experience of that uh, empty nest beginning. And John, you talked about how you're in that phase now. We I'm are. halfway there. Trent's mm-hmm. out. Troy's still at the house. but uh, And I love that, actually. I'm, I'm still uh, lingering in that space where I know Troy's there. We can have dinner together and, and have good chit-chats together. But that day is soon when he'll be gone. And wow, it's, it's going to be a different household. So this is really good stuff. It's actually a therapy session for me. <laughs> so you can listen in. But uh, I'm looking forward to coming back to more content. Yeah, and Jim is uh, the president of Homeward. Uh, they seek to help families thrive. Uh, very similar value alignment for us here with Jim and, and Homeward. Uh, he and his wife, Kathy, have three girls who have all left the nest and uh, love the passion and the heart and stories he has to share. He's captured so much of, of this kind of a season of life in the book, Finding Joy in the Empty Nest, Discover Purpose and Passion in the Next Phase of Life. And we've got copies of that book here at the ministry. Stop by the website. The details are in the show notes. Or give us a call, 800, the letter A, and the word family. Jim, great to have you back. So good to be with you. Keeping this going, you're helping me immensely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the things I didn't get to last time, and I wanted to, so I'll kick it off here. Uh, You mentioned, you know, taking uh, small steps in the right direction. That's great life advice, no matter what your age or stage. But in this case, you created an acronym called SIA, Mm -hmm. and I thought it was great. Again, you know, parents with young kids could benefit from this same acronym. But what is SIA? What does it stand for? uh, It stands for something that's important in the empty nest is we have to declutter. And we get a chance to declutter. Now, again, even the garage? Even the garage. Now, <laughs> this is what you think of. When you think of declutter, you think of garage. Right now, Kathy has me on a, a T-shirt restriction. She said, I have three drawers of T-shirts, and I have a certain date, and I need to go to two. And I'm going, but they have holes, but they're meaningful mm-hmm. to me. You I've know? got like 30 In-N-Out Burger T-shirts. <laughs> See? Well, My mother-in-law gonna... gave them to me at Christmas, <laughs> like three or four at a time. You're going to have to declutter. <laughs> but I think it's the perfect time to declutter. Because, again, when you when you move to the empty nest... You, you have different directions. You have, uh, you have some things that you've just been holding on to, and it's time to let it go. So I call it, you know, see ya. And, and first of all, the S stands for what sucks your energy. And, you know, there are things that just suck my energy that I don't have to do. You know, Peter Drucker, the great management guru, but he says, first things first, last things not at all. And so there's some things that, that were last things in my life. I wish I could say I've done this really well, but my garage is in deep need, and my wife reminds me of that. But when it comes to other things, even personal life, what's sucking your energy? And do you still need to be doing that? 
I know somebody who went off of two boards and, you know, I'm, I'm sad for the board people, but he said, you know what, I'm going off of these two boards because my interest is now in doing missions work in Nepal. This is a, a lay person. Wow. And he said, I'm going to put my energy into that. Well, yeah. good for him. He, he decluttered some things. It was time for somebody else. The other is what's just excessive in your life. Are there some things, you know, in the sea of... Uh, model are there some things that are just you know excessive are you are you doing too much of this or are you doing too much of that you know what i found in the empty nest when my kids started you know moving out here is that it, it did get more quiet and i didn't have <laughs> as much responsibility right and so i could actually say slowly what could i do here but what's excessive that i was doing a lot with our kids and now i don't have to do as much you know um, let me let me give you an example i think that fits here yeah. one thing i so appreciate about gene now we're reading the word and praying together yeah. every morning yeah. because we can yeah. start with that yeah. pace. There's yeah. capacity and time to do that. Well, you just you gave it right there because that's what we we, we want to do that. I, I would say that most, especially women, but men too, most want to be spiritually intimate. It's probably the least developed area of intimacy. But in the empty nest, why not take some of the time you're working with the kids and, and pray together? And, and read the scripture together. Yeah, it's more good. of that. Kathy and I are much more heavily involved in that aspect right now in our life. And I'm glad we, we did that. But yeah. to do that, there were some other excessive things that we had to kind of let go. Right. I don't want to call my kids excessive, but you know, <laughs> there was this freedom a little bit. Yeah, without a doubt. Moving through the SIA acronym, then you got the S, the first E. What's the second E? Uh, emotionally draining. Now, these seem kind of like, duh. But, I know. But there is a weird thing in humanity that we oh. do not recognize what sucks our energy. No, no. And we keep doing it. Oh, I do that all the time. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it's the definition of insanity. You're doing the same thing over and over again. Think yeah. it's going to be different now. So emotional draining. What was your example there? Yeah. Well, for me, what was emotionally draining was that actually I was involved in a couple of outside activities that were kind of just taking the emotion from. I wasn't enjoying them mm. and I kind of didn't need to be doing it. My kids were gone. I was still involved in some of their activities because they really, the people said, well, they needed me or wanted me, but it was, it was becoming emotionally draining. The other thing that happened for us on emotionally draining was that we had been with what I call VDP, some very draining people. Very I, draining people, yeah. the VDPs. Yeah, you're not one, Jim, of me. But there are I, v, thank you. There are VIPs, very inspiring people. And so what I had to do was replace some emotionally draining relationships. Now, I'm wow. not saying, you know, it's not like you can say mother-in-law, bye. You know, so there <laughs> are going to be funny. very draining people. Not that all mother-in-laws are very draining. But <laughs> but honestly, there are things in our life that are emotionally draining. Yeah. Um, one for Kathy and I had to do with finances. And we moved how we did our finances just because it was, it was being emotionally draining for us. It was bugging us. Yeah. And so we just changed the way we did it and got some help from somebody. And it was... It was great, yeah. And it's not like we all of a sudden hired, you know, out and all that. But it was just, it, it was a, it was a good way to do it. And then the the why and yeah, yeah. see ya, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm an old time youth worker, so that's where it gets the see ya. You know? But the uh, the the <laughs> this why won't be graded on grammar. Yeah, the why <laughs> is you know what you don't love or need anymore. And that could be as easy as I had like, you know, 29 Hawaiian shirts that I never wore anymore. And I gave them to my brother, which is hilarious. And, and he, he wears them. He loves these. Yeah. So one, one man's. That was a dirty trick. Yeah. One, you know, one man's uh, draining, if you would, or something I didn't love anymore is now, you know, he, the, he just thinks I'm the greatest. I, I'm his number one brother right now because of that, I think. But, you know, there's certain, so there's simple things, but there's also those things, you know, I, I just don't need to be doing this anymore. Yeah. And so part of it is that declutter and part of it is 
some of the responsibilities that we've kind of carried along. Sometimes it is, you know, the garage or, or things like that, but sometimes it's activities, you know, it's, it's lots of things, whatever that comes to your mind. Well, I do appreciate that. I mean, what you're saying is filled this time that you've been giving to the kids, obviously, they're now, boom, out of the house and do some things that help get your life a little more organized. Yes. It, it brings you peace. That A, I would think, might be the Hawaiian print location the, where the it's anno- annoying eyesore. But... It was annoying eyesore for me. I just didn't want Kathy, when I made this up, I said, Kathy, I'm not your annoying eyesore, am I? Wow. Because <laughs> I didn't want her to think that I was You annoying. actually laid that out there. That was threw... dangerous. I know it was. She and... could have said yes. No, she gave, I was looking for, I was looking for something positive and she gave it to me. But in terms of the annoying eyesore, sometimes, honestly, we, we changed our backyard to make it more friendly for when our kids come back oh with the kids exactly and kids, yeah. so we sort of moved that now that sounds so easy but that was that was more difficult but you know what's kind of cool is kathy and i changed it together also you you mentioned there another benefit uh you can move forward with things that you've had on the back burner yeah that's a good one i i think i need to spend a little time going okay what's on the back burner i yeah. think i forgot yeah yeah <laughs> so. but you know i think a lot of times people will do it like the, i see a lot of men will say hey you know what i played golf when i was younger and now i play i can play some golf and so i'm taking some time I'm taking actually thursday afternoons off and you know going and playing golf or whatever it is for me i started going back to the gym you know just basic stuff like that i know some a lot of men also tell me i'll get to the women but a lot of men tell me that they end up joining a men's group at their church and they felt they were too busy or too constrained with other things and so they they joined this and they just went wow this is really good they always announced it at church but i never could go now i'm going so they so in a great way they were doing that i think women lean into more friendships and Bible study and things like that from within ones who are in the church. The ones who aren't in the church, you know, you find them, you know, being more involved in, you know, activities and clubs. And, and we, when I started interviewing women, especially in the empty nest, a lot of them started doing some volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And that was, and they go, we've always wanted to do that. It was on the back burner. I just couldn't get to it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you, you struggled with being open and vulnerable with others when you were younger. That's kind of interesting. Have you found uh, being a yeah. mentor, opening up to others yeah. a little easier in the empty well, nest phase and why? Well, what where I, for me, it was partly empty nest phase, but it was, you know, I chose 21 years ago to jump into a small group of mm-hmm. men. And at first we talked about politics and sports. That's what us men do. And then one time, and we would, we would open up a Bible and talk about Bible, but you know, it was not ever vulnerable. One day, one of the guys said, hey, I'm struggling my marriage. And when he said that, we all jumped in and then we opened up our kimonos and started talking. So for 21 years, I've been in a group who of men who, if I said I'm in trouble, they would come my way. And if they said they were in trouble, I would go their yeah. way. Now we fly fish once a year. We do some fun things and stuff like that. But what has happened is that taught me to be more open. There was a scripture that said, that's in James that says, you know, when you confess your sins, you will be healed. And I kind of went, I don't want to confess my sins to people because then they won't like me or they'll look down on me. And I found that in me learning to be more vulnerable, and I think this group helped me, but in learning to be more vulnerable, nobody was going slapping me on the face and saying, what a louse you are. They actually embrace that. And even as a communicator, I oftentimes speak out of our own failures and, and, and issues with our parenting or marriage. And I don't have people saying, I'm not going to listen to this guy. Right. I have people going, oh, now, I, okay, we're, he's good. He's one of us. And so I've learned that by confessing my sins, and you know, there's a confession that's a deep confession that you confess deeply to God, but there's also a confessing of your vulnerabilities and, and sins, means missing the mark, where I, 
I have felt healed. Mm. These men have healed me. I'm a better husband. I'm a better follower of Christ. I'm a better um, dad because these men have helped me be healed with some of the things that I brought to them. That's that is so good mm-hmm. and worth uh, you know highlighting that yeah. for men and women yeah. uh, finding a small group of people that right. you can trust in that way right. is incredibly important yeah. and, to you your well being. I think well-being. it's easier for women. You know, Kathy I, teaches. I think us, they yeah. naturally lean yeah. that way, yeah. but I I would assume not every woman. No, 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 and no, not so every woman. Men and women that are more loner in yeah. their temperament that can be a little more difficult. It is. It's lonely. It's but lonely. it's a it's a it's a good healthy perspective. Mm. The ones who aren't. The empty nest is very lonely for them. Jim, let's move toward the grandparenting phase Mm because that's interesting. I'm not there yet, and uh, you're not there yet either. Okay, good. So you have the experience. You have the grandkids. Now, one of the funniest sayings I've ever heard is that grandparents and grandkids have a common enemy. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love that because it's so true. (laughs) So true. And I hear all the battles about the grandkids coming over, and I sugared them up, and my adult daughter was not happy with me, and it created friction, and you know, fill in the blank with what that might be. But it is a, an incredible, rewarding time. And I think, you know, this is where Gene and I say, you know, talk about having a do-over as a parent. Right. You, you kind of get that chance as yeah. a grandparent. And uh, it's such a reward. It can right. be such a rewarding time right. if the friction is low with your adult children. Right, right. Well, and, and many people have friction with their adult children, let's mm-hmm. face it, and that makes it harder. But truly what you're saying, and I think you and Gene will be amazing grandparents, for Kathy and I, we realized this may be our greatest legacy. Didn't know yeah. that. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Even like with, we have a James who's named after me, seven. We've read through the Bible three times, the children's Bible, three times. It's a big, thick Bible. Hmm. Well, you know what? I didn't do that for my kids. I mean, I read the sure. Bible to them. We did certain things. But with this kid, I went, James, we're doing this right now. And so, you know, we, we do that. We look at a Bible app that's really, you know, kid app that's kid friendly. Um, so the leg- the, even the spiritual legacy... Um, I found myself the other day, Huxley, who's two, he shows Huxley. Huxley, I love love this name. (laughs) Right. And so Huxley shows up with his mom, Heidi, and they were going to stay overnight, but Kathy and Heidi were off to an exercise class. And so I get Huxley and I was on the floor with this two-year-old playing with blocks for an (laughs) hour and a half. But you know what? That meant so much to me. Oh yeah. But it means when, when those grandkids come a running, I sometimes pick up James or Charlotte, she's five. And uh, they'll pick, I'll pick them up at preschool and at, or at school, and they'll just go, Papa Jay. Papa Jay. You know, my, my kids, I guess, maybe did that, but the feeling, I call it a love affair between generations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a funny experience with Charlotte. We took her last week to her, it was her five-year-old birthday, and Kathy and I took her to the Performing Arts Center, and we took her to her first play, Frozen. And uh, it was beautiful. We went out at 8.30 that night before and bought her a frozen dress. And we were so glad we did because there were 1,500 other girls with frozen a dresses. frozen dress? Frozen. Uh, it had the picture of Elsa and what else. <laughs> yes. You oh, got boys. Oh, frozen. 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 Yes, frozen. I got it. Yeah, okay. I was thinking, right. man, that would be cold. Yeah, no, no, no. no. It's so, the latest, no, Jim. It is yeah. the, it's, it's, that was an obvious it's thing. It's crazy <laughs> latest. But I it was funny because we're going there and we're just talking and she's chatting it up. And then she goes, so my mommy is bugging me. Now, this is our daughter. She said this about, and we start, instead yeah. of, being sensitive, we start laughing, going, yeah, well, she bugged us all through high school. You guys are commensurating <laughs> yeah. a similar right. character trait. But what we realized afterwards, I said, you know, when she said her mommy was bugging her and it was about something silly, um, we went, wow, she's going to share with us stuff. We, are we going to be those people who are going to help her 
navigate that because we didn't have that. We couldn't right. go to we couldn't go to our parents and we didn't go to grandparents and things like that. But can we be those grandparents who are fully involved mm. and fully having a, a ministry to these kids without, you know, taking the play? You know, I love the common you know the common enemy is the parent, but our job is to support yeah. my kids. Yeah. And so we say, what night do you want? Now these are not. You know, these are kids who live in our area, but what night do you want to be on? Do your date night. We'll take the kids, those kinds of things. So we want to be the greatest cheerleaders to our adult kids with our, you know, for our grandchildren too. And it's a joy to do it, even though, you know, one woman said, she said, you know, after I had my kids for the, or my grandkids for the weekend, uh, they think I'm the oldest person in the world. And after having them for a weekend, I think my kids are right. Yeah, right. Because feel, you're tired, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. also get the joy of handing them back. <laughs> yeah, Right. That's so true. Let me, let me, uh, you know, for the grandparents that maybe aren't experiencing yes. a great yes. situation, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of this is leftover from when you were the parent and yes. you're raising your kids and then they get married and now they have the grandkids and some of those controlling factors that right. we talked about last time right. are going to seep into this yes. relationship yes. if you don't bite your tongue, back up. Yeah. Let your adult children be the parent. Right. So what advice do you have for the, the grandparents that are struggling there? Because there's, I'm sure, a dozen or more reasons what, yeah. what's going on. But yeah. you've counseled people. No, right. And, and no easy answer on so this. So what's the, what's the general redirect yeah. you yeah. can give to the yeah. grandparent yeah. where it's not healthy? No, no easy answer. Because as a grandparent, you want to do the same thing you did with your adult kids and tell your adult kids where they're wrong on this or right. And, and you just can't. You simply can't. So again, I think you be their cheerleader, not necessarily their coach, um, unless they ask you to be their coach, and you be their cheerleader. And then sometimes you have to realize that you are in the process of a marathon. So in those first couple of years, I was talking with a woman two nights ago about this. She, she was telling me that her daughter doesn't allow her to bring her kids to church because, and she raised her daughter in, in uh, you know, the faith, but the grandkids, she wants to t- she watches the grandkids and she's not allowed to do that. And, and I said, you know what? Keep praying. She goes, should I just take them to church anyway? And I said, I wouldn't because I said, this is a long, a long-term relationship. And so have church, you know, make up church if, if your daughter allows us. And if she doesn't just keep it slow, let them know where you stand. Maybe there'll be a time when the kids who are little will be in middle school and you get to get them to church camp or something that's just on the side of that. Yeah, let me let me ask you this in that context. We of course we haven't dealt with that, but we have yeah. friends who have dealt with that. And uh, is there benefit to trying to sit with your adult kids and just talking that through yeah. kind of adult to adult, yeah. no, you know, think... here here's what I think might be the benefits yeah. for little Sally right, or right. little Johnny. No, I Johnny. think it, I I do. And now, you know, have some discussion about it. At least you get that going. But I think what you say is, "Hey, let's sit down and talk about this." We will do what you want to do. You are the parent. So please right. know that. That's giving the passport to adulthood, right. That's which good. we talked about in the previous broadcast. But you say, hey, we will do what you want to do. But we want to get some context and understanding. You know, well, like we'd like to read them Bible stories. They're fun. There's a new app that's cool. Um, we'd like to take them to church, to the Sunday school. They're going to see it as fun. But we, we want to... We want your blessing. And if we don't have your blessing, then we're going to actually not do that. Hmm. That puts them now not a tit for tat, but it puts the parents in a place where the parents might actually, they came thinking, oh, I'm not going to let my kids go to church. You know, that's crazy. And now they're going, well, yeah, you can take them to church because, again, the parent respected their adult child. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. It and sends when a you do that, yeah. and, and over the long haul, what I mean, think about this. The amount of kids 
and I was in youth ministry, and they would say, I had this praying grandma. I had a praying oh, yeah. grandpa. Very and common. And so, so the point being is that over the long haul, you're still going to influence them. And those kids know that you're a Christian. And those kids know that you love Jesus. And those kids know that you go to church. And so if you, and literally, if the church, if it's a nine o'clock service and you have the kids at nine o'clock, then you figure out another service to go to or whatever if yeah. the parents aren't going to. But, but bless the parents by giving them the authority in this, even though you're dying on the inside. Right. It's such good advice, but difficult. Yeah. But I would back you up and say, yeah, Yeah. that's the right way to go. Um, Right at the end here, we're going to talk about finishing well. That Mm kind of touches on it. But, you know, one of the things is, yeah, how do you want to be remembered? And what do you want Mm -hmm. them to say about you? I've, I've just been to two or three funerals in the last couple of months. That has really come across to me. Oh, you know, I, yeah. I in one of them, it was yeah. a colleague here. He, They talked about his professional yeah. accomplishments. It yeah. was really good. Yeah. But the, the stars of the funeral were the oldest and youngest granddaughters. It. And it was awesome. And they just stole the platform. Yeah. Uh, and these other speakers were national speakers. Uh, yeah. You know, they spoke very eloquently. But these two granddaughters, it was just so beautiful. What I remember about Grandpa was... Yeah. He was always there for me. Yeah. When I was 19, I called and I was in trouble. Yeah. And he drove overnight to get me and bring right. me to their house. Right. I mean, these are the things that make family real. Yeah. And I think in that context, Jim, this is the point I want you to reiterate for me. That's what matters. Right. What those grandkids and your adult children feel right. from you. And hopefully it's the love of Christ. You know, exactly. Even when, when people die, when people do research on this, whether they be Christian or not, they have two things. One is they want a right relationship with God. I think it's so interesting that at the end they do. And number two, they want a right relationship with their loved ones. Yeah. So if we're going to have a life well lived and we're going to finish well, it's time for us to put our energy into our relationship with God and our relationship with our loved ones. Well, it sounds like two commandments that Jesus gave, Slightly, gave us. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't you know? Yeah. And, you know, there's a phrase, and I think this is one of the most important themes that I love to, to talk about, because there's a phrase that says significance and a well-lived life are never accidental. Mm-hmm. And so in the empty nest, we start focusing on finishing well, but it's not accidental. You don't come to this by circumstance and chance. You know, there are really things which we've been talking about that you can do to have a successful life at the uh, as you finish well. And success to me isn't talking about the finances and the fancy homes or things like that. It's actually that your grandkids at your funeral stand up and say, you know, Papa and Nana were the most influential spiritual people in my yeah. life. And yeah, they didn't, they weren't cool and they didn't know who the music groups that we listened to were. They were kind of goofy with this, but they loved Jesus and they loved me. Right. And that I, I hmm. that's the that's what I want. I don't my grandkids. I don't care if they ever know that I ever wrote a book or I ever did any of that. I just want them to know that Papa Jay loved them with a with the unconditional love, and that Papa Jay loved God. Well, and back to the point you made a moment ago, that may be the only deep love they ever experience yes. is from a grandparent. I mean, not to take it away from the parents, right. but parenting is different from grandparenting. It, it is. You can love unfailing and unconditionally easier, correct? Because <laughs> you don't own it. Right. You and, give them you know, back at the end of the day. Right. And I don't, you know, when I understand, when I begin to understand God's love, I was reading through the Bible last year and I just circled every time I saw the word unfailing, unfailing love. Oh my gosh, so much. Well, a grandparent can have that in an easier way than sometimes even the parents because you got to, 
you got to discipline them too. Yeah. Jim, I want to end here because I think it's really important. And that is the jokes that we make about older, older people being curmudgeons. And I, mm-hmm. I don't, you can be a Christian and be a curmudgeon. Right. It's not a right. faith thing. You shouldn't be. Right. But oftentimes we are as we get older. A lot of people, a lot of psychologists will say it's because, um, you know, we're envious of younger people and they yeah. get to live their life now. And it's yeah. like youth is wasted on young right. people. Right. But the idea that, boy, we should be the, the epitome of joy, the epitome of love. The, we, we now are at the end of our lives. We've had a whole lifetime, maybe, yeah. following Christ, learning the way of the Lord. Right. We should be at the top of our game. Right. And so often we're not. We're bitter. We don't like the neighbor because they left trash on the curb. Right. I mean, whatever, fill it in. How do we uh, reorient ourselves if we're living in that curmudgeon mentality, especially us men? We can get really bitter for some reason. What do we do to shake that horrible stuff off of us and and live for Christ? Yeah, well, I have a lot of ideas, and we could talk about that for a long time, but I would just simply say that um, you're exactly right. At the end of our life, what we want to do is be people who are grateful and thankful people, be people who, who really literally practice what I call thank therapy. Thank therapy means, yeah. you know, you can gripe about anything, but you can also find reasons to be thankful. And I find that people who are grateful, thankful people um, in the empty nest are people who are those beautiful people that you're talking about. And I find that people who, are, who get bitter are people who aren't focusing on reasons why they're thankful. We got a lot of, I mean, it's a crazy culture. It's a crazy world. We can get all busted up about that. But we can also be people who say, thank you. I, I'm grateful for what God has done in my life. I'm grateful for my family. I'm And just start naming why we're grateful. And it's the simple things. And in that, I don't think you can be a curmudgeon then. I agree. I agree. But what a great target to aim for. Mm. Don't be a curmudgeon. And, <laughs> you know, be spirit-filled. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. Yes. And don't we want to go into heaven with that kind of understanding and maturity spiritually and what a beautiful way to depart and it'll be much better for those who love you to remember you that way absolutely and you bless your family at the end my mom did that she the last words my mom said to me jimmy i love you and i'm proud of you and she died wow so i have this blessing from my mom i tear up thinking about it but i have this blessing from my mom because she wasn't a curmudgeon because she could have been going man you know do this or do that or or so focused on her own medical pain and and whatnot but instead she was blessing us at the end well i live with that blessing Mm. and it's the same blessing that god gives us well yeah what a great reminder jim what a great resource finding joy in the empty nest and uh, I want to make sure you guys can get a hold of it. So get a hold of Focus on the Family. If you can, join us in ministry and uh, make a gift of any amount. If you can be a monthly sustainer, that's wonderful. That helps us even out the budget for the year. And uh, we'll send you a copy of Jim's book as our way of saying thank you for joining us in ministry, either monthly or a one-time gift. Yeah, donate as you can when you get in touch. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. 800-232-6459 or stop by the episode notes for details about Jim's book and ways to uh, donate and support the ministry. Jim, again, thanks for being with us. I think you're making a great grandpa and you're a wonderful father. Well, thank you you for what you do at Focus on the Family. Changing lives every day, bringing hope. So grateful for you and I do pray for you often. Thank you, Jim. And thank you for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, uh, join us again, won't you, as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.
Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.